Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. This is part two of How to Overcome Challenges in the Disciple-Making Process with Dr. Greg Ogden and Dr. Craig Etheridge. Uh, we, we did two disciple-making conferences with pastors, had about 40 pastors go through that. And out of that group, um, we established an advisory group. And the advisory group guys were really the guys that helped shape what we're doing today. And as we got to talking, one of the guys in the group uh, who is a church leader, he's a staff member of the church, he said the experience that he's been having. And so, Dr. Ogden, you're going to speak to this. And I hope as I explain it, it makes sense to you. Some of the challenges that he's experienced in the process was the attitude of some of the people that he's engaged. And and here's some of the things he described. How do you deal with someone or a group that begins to see themselves almost with this pharisaical legalistic attitude that we're checking the block, we're memorizing scripture, we're taking uh, sermon notes, and we are the disciple makers and you're not. And, and, you know, so they kind of see themselves as super Christians. And then he said, then there's the people who are the other end who have a lack of motivation that they meet together in their group and nobody, <laughs> nobody's done anything. you know. And they're saying, what are we doing here? And then there are those who just started. I think uh, Dr. Esther just said something about somebody started out with all this promise and all this them and vigor, and they just didn't stay engaged. They fizzled out. So how how do you engage and manage some of those challenges? I know we're moving away from COVID-19 and the society, but we're moving more into the practical kind of stuff. What do you do with the people of God that all of a sudden you're saying, how in the world did we get here? Does that make sense? So Dr. Ogden, if you can, I've used the book Discipleship Essentials and it has been a blessing. And the young man that I went uh, through the book with, unfortunately, one of the guys did drop out. Yeah. He just said, I just don't have time for this. And I said, brother, I love you. That's okay. You will someday, but that's all right. But the other two guys uh, are leading a disciple-making groups themselves. Yeah. And it's been pretty exciting that I see what they've done. So addressing what I just shared, from your perspective and experience, what are some good ideas we can share with these guys? Wow, you uh, you covered a lot of waterfront there. <laughs> well, maybe I covered too much. <laughs> From pharisaical attitude to uh, how do we get people motivated? Um, that's right. <laughs> oh, that, that's all across the board, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so I, I guess on the pharisaical attitude, yes, to make sure it's not a, just a checklist of things that we're – Craig, did you want to say something? I just, I was going to say, if you could cover all that in 10 words or less, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I will. I'm taking notes. I won't even come close. <laughs> it's okay, Dr. S. We're just coming to you in a minute. So yeah, we're all right. right. Yeah. So a fair cycle attitude um, in terms of the kind of the rigidness of checklist. If I just do these things, um, then I'm a super Christian and, and everybody else is below me. Um I think, you know, a lot of that can be addressed in a sense attitudinally as you uh, start a group. Um, our groups uh, start with a with a covenant. We lay out kind of five expectations uh, and commitments of what's going to be involved in this group. Show up on a regular basis. Do your work before you come. 
open your life to one another. And so uh, when you start sharing your own story and sharing your life and the challenges of your own commitment to Christ, um, that's going to lead to humility fairly quickly. So if you if you put relationship first and start sharing your own story and journey first, um, this is certainly what I do with these groups. Uh, we don't jump right too quickly into content. Uh, we, we start with relationship. And I start with some fun stuff because, uh, like, you know, tell me about your hobbies. You know, what do you do, enjoy doing off offline? Uh, you know, tell me how you met your spouse and what's some one embarrassing moment that you had during your courtship? You know, those kinds of things. And then we spend actually quite a bit of time sharing our faith journeys. So, uh, you know, tell us about when you came to Christ. What was life like in your home in terms of your you know sharing of 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 christ's center life did you come from a christian mm-hmm. um when when have you been closest to god in your life when have you been the furthest away from god in your life wow um you know so uh and what has brought you to this moment of even wanting to be in a group like this that kind of thing so uh, I, we try to build the relational foundation because transparency about our own fallibilities uh, is extremely important. It's not just about checklists going through the content. And if you start on that basis, I think you can avoid a lot of that pharisaical uh, approach to things. Um, So uh, that's why I talked about the container and the content. The discipleship curriculum is the content you put in that container of relational transparency. That's gonna lead to, uh, I think, some humility. Mm-hmm. The other part of that, I would say, in terms of how you uh, get the unmotivated motivated, <laughs> uh, we we talk about the power of personal invitation in terms of the this, this kind of microgroup experience, uh, and it's different from a programmatic mentality within the life of a church. What what do churches do? Well, we we adopt a discipleship program. You got 10 weeks to make disciples. You all sign up to this program on such and such a day and uh, go sign up and you march people lockstep through this program. And there's not a whole lot of transformation take place. In fact, who signs up for that program? The same 20% to sign up for everything else. Right. But <laughs> you missed, you missed them. But it's different when you're trying to form a discipleship group because you're going to somebody and you're saying to them, you know, I've been prayerfully considering starting this group, and I've been spending some time in prayer. You know, the Lord just keeps putting your name on my heart. I see some hunger in you. Um, I want to form a group that's going to help all of us grow towards Christ's likeness. But frankly, one of the purposes of this group is to help you help other people grow towards Christ's likeness as well. So it's about you in terms of your own relationship. And we're going to do this with a couple other people. And and I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to ask you to join me on this journey with a couple of others. Wow. That, is a, that is a far different experience than uh, what way we do things at church, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's the mass invitation. And when you give a mass invitation, 80% of the people think you're not talking to them. Um, but if, you're, if you've got somebody who's coming to you and say, um, gosh, you know, just on my heart. You just settled there. I'm going to call you to join me. That's much harder to turn down. Uh, and and it's attractive to have somebody come to you and invite you personally. Now, it's also scary. I will also put it, put it that way. Because 
when you're actually asking people to enter into something that's fairly transparent and intimate, uh, for guys, that can just cause them to run the other direction. But at the same time, I think there's a hunger for more than just acquaintances in our life. There's a hunger for deeper friendship uh, that uh, we can have uh, and can be coached into. So I guess those would be some of the random thoughts that I would give to that broad question that you, you shared. No, that's those are great observations. Dr. Etheridge, is there any in, insights that you want to share? Because really, um, you're kind of walking into the next question that we're going to ask. Uh, so uh, we just kind of add on to it. But go ahead, Dr. Etheridge. Yeah, I think that uh, leading a group, there are all kinds of group dynamics that are in place uh, that uh, can be challenging to deal with. Either, like you said, a pharisaical attitude. Jesus had to deal with that with uh, uh, James and John wanting to call down fire from heaven. You know, doesn't get more fair. You know, and then you've got you got people that are dropping out and failing. Well, you got Peter that that failed miserably. And so I think what Jesus did in, in both those cases and in other cases as well is utilize loving confrontation. And I think that that is a skill that you will have to uh, learn as a, as a group leader is, is to offline talk with someone. Uh, it, we train guys, hey, if there's a problem, somebody's not getting their work done or somebody's, you know, got a lackadaisical attitude or a bad attitude or conflict or whatever that case may be to pull them aside, just like Jesus pulled Peter aside and have a one-on-one conversation about what's going on and what's happening in their life and how can you help them uh, to move forward. That's what I, what you do when you parent, right? When you parent your child and they're not acting right, you pull them aside and you talk to them and you try to work out a plan. And I think really, leading a group like this is just spiritual parenting. I mean, you're just investing in them and helping them. And Jesus had a way of loving confrontation that I think you have to practice. Now, this is not a commercial, but in our, uh, the resources that we put together, our, what we call our growth series, there are three books. One is called Walk with God. The second is Reach Your World, which is all about personal evangelism. And the third one is called Invest in a Few. And that one really takes a deeper dive into how do you actually run a group and how do you deal with all these problems in a group and, and um, what are the challenges that you might face in a group? And I really find that a lot of resources out there, they're good in the content, uh, but not helping you that much with actually leading a group. And so uh, a lot of these types of things we address in the invest in the few uh, resource through disciple first. Yeah. You know, you, you led right into the next group because uh, I had opportunity to participate in a disciple making group there at the church that we were members of. And it was very interesting. It, it, I'm listening and just help me out. It seems like we have to really shape this process. Uh, I was with a bunch of guys who were all, in group leaders or group, uh, I'm not sure, you know, group coordinators or whatever. And I happened to be in the room with them and, and the minister of education came through because this is something that he's really engaged with. And somebody actually said to him, um, you know, don't misunderstand Dr. Ogden. Discipleship Essentials is a great book, but it's too long. And I found this great session, eight session book on discipleship. 
And I think we need to do that instead of the other because it's shorter, which communicated to me that as much as we communicated the idea of the relationship building and the process, trying to make that mental shift from checking the block, I did a book, to a lifelong lifestyle process is really a hard, um, it's really challenging. So any insight in how, what do you, how do you communicate with people? Wait a minute, you, we got to shift focus on our whole attitude about the journey with Christ. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, I, I hope that eight session book that he chose was the one I wrote. Uh, <laughs> Essential guide to making disciples, because I wrote a I, for that very reason. <laughs> what he said was uh, it's kind of an enticement uh, into that process. I call it an on-ramp uh, to the design process uh, so that we can kind of hook people into the relational environment and then they will say, oh my gosh, you know, I I can't live without this group. Um, And so, yes, I'd be glad to go on. In fact, the whole thing is built so that it goes right into Discipleship Essentials um, afterwards. So um, what was the question again? (laughs) Well, the idea is how... What is there a process or what are some recommendations to to get people to think beyond check the block? I did the book. I'm a disciple. Oh, yeah. Well, that is the, that is the that is the uh, program mentality, is it not? It uh, is. So the the idea that we run a program uh, and I've, I have had this happen with discipleship essentials a lot, for example, Um Churches will adopt Discipleship Essentials as their, their, what they will preach through for a year. So we'll do 25 weeks. We'll take a chapter a week out of Discipleship Essentials. We'll preach on it. We'll then form small groups after, after it. And um, that will be our year of going through that. Oh, we did that. Okay, what's next year? Uh, what's the next thing? What's the next theme that we do? Oh, let's do uh, Experiencing God. We'll do Experiencing God next year. Um, well, that's all that is. It's, it's kind of what can we fill a year with, right, with a program that might be might be helpful. But there's no transformation of life. There's no adoption of a lifestyle of intentional disciple making that goes with that, because basically it's not a relational uh, approach to things. So uh, there is that. You know, and I uh, spent some time uh, in my book, Transforming Discipleship, looking at the contrast between relationship and program. And uh, relationship is about transformation. Program is about information. Right. I, I, I went to a church in Chicago. I was on the staff there. Uh, I was executive pastor of discipleship. Bad title. Um, and uh, the I, I was put up in front of a class. And uh, the church had the mentality of if we can get just get people's theology right, <laughs> check, check the box of justification by faith alone know that they're in, we've done our job. And it wasn't about relationship. It wasn't about forming people. Uh, it was just about, you know, that kind of uh, programmatic mentality there versus uh, what one person has called pur- purposeful proximity. I like that phrase in terms of our disciple making. Uh, disciple programs are about one person preparing the content and others coming and taking in the content, Right. And it requires very little. Discipleship is about everybody being engaged uh, together. That's why we like the group small. You're, you've done your work. You've engaged the content. Now you're coming together to relationally share your insights into scripture with each other. 
And then you are learning from one another in that environment. You are engaged. Um, there's an old adage that we seem to violate all the time. Uh, and that is you get out what you put in. And so, uh, you know, what do you put in to go sit in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning in a pew to listen to a sermon? What does it require of you? What's the expectation? Nothing. <laughs> you may take in some things. We hope people do. Uh, but there's, there's very little required. So uh, discipleship is about engaging in biblical content, applying it to our lives, seeing it change, living it out the aspects of, of praying for people in our network of relationships that don't know Jesus, um, living a service to him. And then the last thing I want to say about the program versus uh, kind of relationship, the, the value of a smaller unit is it um, is customized versus synchronized. Programs are synchronized. Ten weeks to discipleship, all locks, lockstep through this program and get popped out the other end and you hope some disciples are made. Um, anything worthy of the, of the name discipling is that you are known for who you are, your individuality. Um, we all have different personalities, different learning styles, different uh, challenges to obedience. And unless we are known in that, that setting of who we are in a personal way, um, I don't think much in the way of transformation is going to occur uh, for us. It'll just be about accumulating knowledge uh, versus having that knowledge intersect with us right where we are. And so when we can share our own life journeys with each other, um, for example, on my I have a wonderful group that I'm with right now. I've got uh, a 60-year-old businessman, a 26-year-old uh, guy who's a producer in the entertainment industry, and I have an 18-year-old freshman in college. Wow. Uh, and it's a fabulous group. And this freshman in college is just unbelievable in terms of his hunger. Well, what does he bring to the group right now? Well, he's the only believer in his family. His parents are going through a divorce. Um, he's living with his mother and sister. The father's somewhere else. Um, do you think we talk about that much? <laughs> and what it means for his, his faith? Uh, this uh, young man who's 26-year-old is a producer in the entertainment industry. Uh, there's not a whole lot happening in the entertainment industry these days if you have to bring people together. He's a manager of a theater in our community. You think the theater is open? Uh, so, again, the, the challenges he brings to that discipleship process right now is a part of our, our part of our discussions. Uh, it's, it's central. So you, we know each other in terms of what's happening in our lives, uh, what's happening interiorly and exteriorly in our lives. So um, those things, I think, are extremely important in terms of our discipleship process. Dr. Etheridge, as a, as a pastor of a church, uh, in light of what uh, uh, Dr. Ogden just shared, is there anything you think you, yeah, this is what I probably need to add to this discussion to, to help this process of staying laser focused on the mission? Yeah, I think we were just talking about how do you not make it a program. And um, uh, I, I think that uh, I, of course, agree with, with everything that Greg said. We, uh, I think you just have to not treat it like a program. 
I think you have to constantly reinforce the organic nature of disciple making, the relational nature of disciple making. Anytime you put a, res- a printed resource or an electronic resource in front of people, that I, we just default into, we get, go through the material, then we start again. You know, that's what we've done ever since we started kindergarten. We completed material and went to another uh, level of material. So we're kind of conditioned that way. You know, disciple making at the time of Jesus was not that way. A disciple making, and Jesus, by the way, didn't start disciple making. I mean, you go all the way back to the Old Testament to find roots of disciple making in the prophets that invested in other prophets. You can go back to Elijah and Elisha, Moses and Joshua. You can look at all kinds of illustrations there. And, and it was always relational. It was always life on life. Follow me, watch what I do, and then you do it. And the goal of that was to follow a master so as to become like the master and carry on the work. What, what has happened in the American mindset is we, we have a more educational view, which is more uh, content, mastering content, uh, one sequentially, you know, scope and sequence, one after the next, without any relationship at all. I mean, you can go through engineering 101 and never really know your engineering professor. And so I think we're having to decode some of that in our own culture. It is just literally countercultural for our folks to do that. So I wouldn't tell, I'd tell a pastor, don't be, don't beat up on your people too hard because they treat this as a program. This is, this is kind of what's in our American view, right? But I think that what we can do is show them a different way. And I think the way that you do that is when you do meet, that you are engaging with them relationally. You're having them over to your house. You're going out for dinner. You're talking with about what's going on in their personal life. You're praying with them through that. And that begins to differentiate real disciple making from just simply a, a program. And I think it's important as you train up disciple making leaders that you model that for them and help them to, um, to capture that relational uh, element. Because if not, it will devolve, devolve into um, uh, just another book on the shelf. Uh, that's just kind of the nature of what it is. Well, I appreciate what you guys have been sharing. And as we draw to a close in the second session, uh, Dr. Etheridge, what is one word of encouragement or practical takeaway that um, you want to share with pastors and leaders about how to address and overcome the challenges that can sabotage what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I, I, I have one word of encouragement, and that is this. Disciple making is challenging. It was challenging for Jesus. He had, he had a guy in his group that didn't make it. And uh, you can't read the Apostle Paul without seeing a list of names. And these are men that stood with him, but then also seeing a list of names that, you know, Demas, who loved the world, Alexander, that uh, that left him and did much harm to him. You know, that that's just the nature of investing your life. And uh, disciple making is filled with challenges, but uh, it is worth it. It is worth it to continue to invest your life. It's worth it because this is God's calling and it's God's work. And uh, so I just want to encourage pastors that have been listening to this, maybe feel overrun by some of these challenges or disappointed because people didn't really follow through or conflict flared up or uh, someone, um, you know, accused them of having ulterior motives. Hey, just stay with it. Stay with it over the long haul. Continue to make disciples and make disciples. Be resilient. Love Jesus. 
continue to plow the field that God has put in front of you. And as you just continue to do the work, one day you will look over your shoulder and you will see uh, people making disciples and making disciples behind you. Amen. Dr. Ogden, your thoughts as we kind of close out this podcast. Well, again, let me echo uh, what, what Craig has said there. Um, disciple making uh, is a longer term process. Uh, and it's really hard to think longer term. Uh, I realize that for pastors, we're uh, under lots of pressure to fill the pews, um, bring people in, and uh, to see the instant results. And it's harder to shift into that longer term vision of uh, where you want to go. Uh, we, I think, probably have borrowed this phrase from somebody else. Uh, but we like to say, start small, go deep, think big. And start small, go deep, think big, um, and uh, you know keep that longer-term vision in mind as to what can happen uh, as you engage with people, enjoy the week-to-week process of seeing life in a group uh, that will nurture your own spirit. Uh, but then, as you see them multiply and grow and get launched, um, you will see people that are uh, coming alive in ways that uh, never thought possible. When you make that shift from being a consumer to being a contributor, see that happen in people's lives. Um, wow. There's nothing better than that. Yeah. What the takeaway for me, and I think I'm summing up everything you both said is that focus on the process of establishing the relationship and then the engagement in the content as relationship is formed and continues, that the relationship is key. And and I think it's almost uh, building relationships is almost a foreign concept, really, in the American DNA. It's more performance based. And what did you do today that make you value added to the corporation or whoever you work for? And we need to say it's, it's a mindset that's not ingrained within us of how are you relating with the people around you and journeying with them in this process? And I, and the disciple making process is that we're in this struggle together and we're going to pray together, encourage one another together, study the word together, apply it together, hold one another accountable together. But you guys, what a great job you're doing. Thank you very much. So as we kind of wrap this up today, last week, We began by sharing what disciple-making culture looks like. Today, we addressed some of the challenges that can sabotage the process. In our next podcast, which will be our final podcast, uh, Dr. Etheridge and Dr. Ogden will lead in the discussion of the implications of a disciple-making culture for ministry in this contemporary environment. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you. You guys have certainly been a blessing And I look forward to this next podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches.